This evening we're going to start out in Ephesians chapter 1. In verse 3, Paul states, as he said, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. He says, As who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. And I love in the ESV, he kind of then begins to list what these blessings are. And you'll see every time it starts with the phrase, in him, it states one of these spiritual blessings. So it says this in verse five, in love, he predestined us for adoption as sons. In verse seven, in him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our sins. Verse 11, in him, we have obtained an inheritance having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. In verse 13, in him, talking about Jesus, you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation and believed in him, was sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. And so in Christ is everything that we need. Every spiritual blessing is found in the person of Jesus Christ. You don't need to add on to your walk with Him. You don't need to add on ancestral worship. You don't need to add on spiritism. You don't need to add on new age stuff. You don't need to add on anything to Him. Actually, it's impossible to add something onto Him because He fills the fullness of all in all. There cannot be Jesus plus because there's no space even for the plus sign anywhere in this whole universe. And so Jesus, in Him, we have every spiritual blessing. And so I'm not gonna focus on all of those, but I wanna, what, what I wanted to focus on tonight is verse seven. And I read again, this amazing spiritual blessing that we have in Jesus, in the person of Jesus, says in Him, we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, Listen to this, according to the riches of His grace, which He lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of His will, according to His purpose, which He set forth in Christ. Verse seven again, in Him we have redemption through His blood. That word redemption, it simply means to buy back what was previously lost. So again, to buy back what was previously lost. And so it takes us again back to the, to the Garden of Eden where Adam and Eve lost their way. They were lost to the Father. The, it's kind of like the, the, the devil kidnapped them and he took them as his own. But to be redeemed means to pay a price to take back. Another way the Bible puts it forth, another description of it, it talks about a slave market. And so if you think about a slave market, if you've seen those movies, there's those guys standing on the stage, you know, and there's these guys bidding, right? So I'll pay $20, $50. And they bid and they pay a price for a slave. And they take this man or they take this woman and they put them on what were those days, the cotton farms, and they make them work. And so that price that they pay is called a ransom. And so the picture it's painting here is that Jesus, He's one of the bidders. We standing on the stage, He bids the highest price to redeem us. He pays the ransom, what the Bible says here, of His blood to redeem us out of a position of slavery. And so when we look at two scriptures and what we're gonna see is that the truth is that outside of Christ, before you got born again, 
you were actually a slave. And so it says this in Titus chapter three, if you'd go with me. Titus chapter three, verse three to five. Titus is just before Hebrews. It says this, for we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, this is talking about us prior to salvation, led astray, then it says this, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another. But when the goodness and loving kindness of our God and Saviour appeared, He saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but by according to His own mercy, the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit. Another scripture is in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1 to 4, again talking about the condition of man outside of Christ. And it says this, And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air. If you don't know who the prince of the power of the air is, that's Satan. The spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just like the rest of mankind. You were in the slave market. You were a slave. Whatever sin told me to do, I obeyed it. Sin was my slave master. Sin was my taskmaster. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter two, whatever the way the world was going, whichever way Satan is going, I actually followed him. It says, I fulfilled the desires of my flesh. I fulfilled the appetites of sin in my body and through my body. And I was like a puppet. This is crazy because the world thinks that sin is freedom, right? I've, oh, these church guys, pfft, shame. You know, they just have to be all like pious and all religious and it's so strict and it's so narrow and it's just, it's so controlling, you know. And so, but there's true freedom out in the world, you know. Freedom, I can, I have, I'm free to, to smoke whatever I want to smoke, drink whatever I want to drink, sleep with whomever I want to sleep with, do whatever I want, whatever the repercussions, that's freedom. But behind the scenes is a puppet master, you know those old puppets, right, with those crossbars and there's strings, you know, and when the puppet master makes the puppet dance, the puppet dances. When the puppet master makes the puppet jump, the puppet jumps. That's actually what's going on. This, it's, it's an illusion that the enemy has created in the world saying that that is freedom. But that's not freedom. In the world outside of Christ, you cannot control your sinful appetites. You cannot control your sinful desires. If your body, if your mind says, let's go sin, you will go sin. Guaranteed. There is, human ability cannot fight that. No matter how clever you are, no matter how strong you are, no matter how wise you are, no human ability can overcome the power of sin. And so sin will, 
someone said this, right? Sin will take you farther than you want to go. It will keep you longer than you want to stay. And it will cost you more than you want to pay. I'll see, read it again. Sin will take you farther than you want to go. It will keep you longer than you want to stay. And it will cost you more than you want to pay. To the unbeliever, sin is a slave master. And in Romans chapter seven, Paul puts it so well, talking about a person who's living a life outside of Christ. He says this, Romans chapter seven, verse 19 to 20. He says, for I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. Why is that? Because it's like, it's like a slave. You just get, get that picture in your head. You, when you are a slave to sin, you cannot do what you want. A slave has no rights. A slave can't tell his boss, okay, sorry, boss, you know, I'm not working today. I'm just gonna go to the beach and have like an ice cream. You know, that doesn't let's like, okay, hang you from the tree, straight out. That's what they did. And so we, there is no choice you are a slave to sin outside of Christ. And he goes and he says, now if I do what I do not want, it is, I, it is no longer I who did it, but listen to this, but sin that dwells in me. And so to the unbelievers, sin dictates their decisions and actions and they are bound to its commands. And this is who we were. This is who I was. This is who you were before Christ came along. And so the condition of the unbeliever, the condition of a man outside of Christ, no matter what they portray, no matter how cool they look or how cool they think they are or how free they are, the reality is that they are bound by sin. And sin is their master. And that's the dangerous thing about sin. It, it presents itself as fun, presents itself as freedom. And you give it your foot, it takes your whole leg. You give it your other leg, it takes your whole body. And the next thing you, it's like, oh man, it's so stupid. The legalization of marijuana, it's like, oh, so, this, I don't understand this nonsense. I was reading an article because I'm speaking from experience again. Marijuana is a gateway to other drugs. And so now there's this whole argument. They're coming against these, argu- these things saying gate, marijuana is not the gateway. So they're advocating the legality of marijuana. You know, and so it's, it's just like that. You start when you, I mean, I was like, what, grade nine or something like that. And so, you know, you start, it's fun. Smoke on the, on the weekend with your friends, you know, get into a little trouble, have a bit of fun. But as you keep doing it, it just becomes like, it's no longer a thing that you're doing, but it's rather it's doing it to you. And this thing that was once fun now enslaves me that I can't function in this world without it. And so it leads me more and more and my, my mind gets worse and worse and worse. My, my friend, shucks, I could see it. 
as I walked with him. He was, he like literally just, he was like, even when he wasn't high, he was high. The brain damage. And so that, that analogy can be put on to sin. You know, we think, oh, it's just a little, you know, just a little hanky-panky. Just a one, just one sip. But it, it's, 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 it's a rabbit hole of deception. It's, it's like a black hole that just, it's, you just, like I said, you give it your foot, it's gonna take your whole body. This is sin. It's the deceit, the Bible calls it, the deceitfulness of sin. And it seeks to enslave you. I mean, you have people, even today, they're doing crazy stuff as teenagers, 50, 60 years old, still stuck in the cycle of sin. Pornography. Then you, you watch one, it's like, oh, that's pretty cool. You know, watch another one, watch another one. All of a sudden, you become, your mind, your brain actually becomes addicted to this thing. And now you, you are being controlled by a TV. You are being controlled by, by, by a computer. You're being controlled by your phone or, or your iPad where you, you know it's wrong and you should be going there and your friend's saying, hey, come out and do this. But this thing is telling you to stay. This, this, this thing that is so, it's like, you can just imagine, it's like these hooks that embed in your chest. And the more you try to pull away, it pulls you close. And the more you try, it just pulls you closer. The things I want to do, I want to get away, but I just can't do it. And it pulls me to the screen and I know it's wrong and I, and I feel so sick and so disgusted afterwards. But yet I do it again. And I do it again and I do it again, even though I don't want to do it. This is the slavery. This is the mastery of sin. But we have the blood. That is the reality of the unbeliever. They have no hope outside of Christ. And you can, how many times have you heard, this guy's gone to rehab, relapse. Goes to rehab, relapse. Goes to rehab, relapse. Outside of Christ, it is impossible. Nothing can break the power of the slavery of sin other than the blood of Jesus. Nothing. No self-help, no 10 steps to stop this. It's only through the blood. And so it's through His blood, Ephesians 1 verse 7, through his, in Him we have redemption through His blood. The price that Jesus paid to set you free from slavery was Himself. It was the suffering of the cross. It was the body that was broken. It was the blood that was shed. He paid the highest price to redeem you, to buy you back to the Father. This is what redemption is. And so when He took us out of that slave market, He took off, and this is really, really important because a lot of believers think they're still a slave to sin. But you're not. When Jesus paid the price, when you made a confession that Jesus Christ is your Lord and Saviour, and you, by faith, you put your life in the finished work of the cross, in that moment, the shackles of sin came off and you were no longer a slave. 
No longer will it be able to dictate to you, but you now dictate to it. And so I want us to go to John chapter 8. John chapter 8, verse 31 to 36. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. They answered him, we are offspring of Abraham and have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? Jesus answered them, truly, truly I say to you, listen to this, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. So Jesus says it himself. And then he says, as the slave does not remain in the house forever, the son remains forever. Verse 36, so if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. When, what did he say? You will be free. He didn't just say you will be free. He said you will be free indeed. In other words, he's confirming and saying, this is Gospel. This is reality. This is truth of what I'm saying. If the Son sets you free, guess what? You are free. When did the Son set you free? At the point of salvation. When the blood was shed and by faith you received the finished work of the cross, guess what? That's when your freedom came. I want to say to you this evening, you're not fighting for freedom. You're working things out, but, but to tag that as fighting for freedom is not actually gospel. It's not truth. It's not what the Bible says. The Bible says you are already free. The power of sin is already broken. The shackles have already been taken off. You're not fighting for freedom you're being transformed into the image of Christ. That's what the Bible says. That's what you call this process of sanctification, the outworking of becoming holy, the outworking of becoming more and more like Jesus Christ. But your freedom happened when you believed in Jesus Christ. The Son set you free when you believed. And so you're not fighting for freedom you're fighting from freedom. And that's a big, big difference. You're not this thing, whatever it is, it's not over you, it's not your master. Oh, we just have to get this. My, this habit, this, this thing that keeps tripping me up, whatever it is, maybe it is pornography, whatever, drinking, lust, whatever, whatever this, it's no longer my master I'm trying to get out of. I am now master over it. Sin, it can no longer tell me what to do. This is the authority that I have. There is no legal right that sin has because of what Jesus did on the cross. You are free from the power of sin. In John chapter 19, verse 30, Jesus is on the cross and He, and he says these words. He says, when Jesus had received the sour wine, He said, it is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. And if you look at that word in the original Greek, it is finished means, it's the Greek word tetelestai. 
And it's an accounting term, right now accounting, general ledgers, debits and credits, that kind of subject that no one likes except for us. Um. <laughs> so it's an accounting term and it means this, paid in full. How amazing is that? That when Jesus died on the cross, the words that came out of His mouth was, Father, it's paid in full. The ransom for our redemption, the cost to redeem us from the, the slavery. Think about it. Up until this point, when they had the law to try and like just keep them straight. You know, the law was there as a guideline, but it could never take away the power of sin. It can, up until this point of, in time, this is the like most historic moment for humankind. In history, up until this point, everyone, no one could get away from sin. No one could take this sin thing off, but I just had to try by the law. I just had to try and to be righteous. But here in this moment, the price was paid. The lamb that was slain before the foundations of the world, he shed his blood and he said, it is paid in full. And I love that word paid in full because that means there's no like legal loophole. It's not like the enemy can come, well, you know, Jesus, he, there was a bit, of, a bit of accounting error there and he didn't quite see the invoice properly and he only paid 75% of that invoice. And so there's a little bit here where I can actually still have legal ground to you and to be your master. When he paid in full, he covered everything for all mankind, for all time. And so regardless of our sin and mistakes, His blood has covered it all. There is no legal right for sin to be your slave master. We have to understand that the blood of Jesus is enough. We sang it's not. It's only by the blood. The blood of Jesus, no matter how long you've been struggling with something. It could be years no matter how depraved or how dark you think that thing is, it doesn't, it cannot compare to the power of the blood. In John chapter one, verse five, it says, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness cannot comprehend it. Other translations say that the darkness cannot overcome it. And so there's no competition between the light that Jesus brings and the darkness of sin. Like I said, it can be the most wicked thing that you can ever think of. This guy's just been doing this thing, let's say child pornography and, and human trafficking. You know, the, like probably the most wicked thing I could think of. And so this guy's, he's stuck in this thing and there's no way out. But then the light of Jesus comes. When the gospel of truth comes, and the mercy of the Father comes to this man and he receives Jesus Christ. There is no space for that wickedness. Where there is light, the darkness flees. With the darkness, it, it cannot like, you know, it's like when the light steps into the room, the darkness doesn't jump on it and try like wrestle it to the ground. There's, there's no, he didn't, has anyone watched SpongeBob before? <laughs> A little green guy, right? What's his name? Plankton, there we go. Okay, instructions from the church, go watch SpongeBob after this. Message. You know what you're talking about? 
There's this little guy, his name's Plankton, and he's this like, literally like that small, and everyone's this big. And so they're always standing on him by accident, okay? This is light and darkness. When light walks into the room, it's like, oh, sorry, I didn't see you there. You know, there's, there's no competition. Light will always take down darkness. And so when the blood of Jesus Christ comes into the most depraved, the most wicked, the most craziest life, it will always be effective. No matter the mastery of sin, no matter the, 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 the years of slavery, no matter what that heaviness looks like, one drop of the blood, just one drop, breaks the power of sin like this in the moment. And even for that man, even for that person, the shackles of sin are broken off. There is power in the blood of Jesus Christ. I want us to go to Romans chapter 6. And we're going to look at this from a different angle. Romans chapter 6, we're going to read from verse 6 to 11. It says this, we know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin. Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. We know that Christ being raised from the dead will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all, but the life he lives, he lives to God. Verse 11, and so you also must consider yourselves, that word consider means make up your mind, come to a decision. Make up your mind that you yourselves are dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. And so the moment of your salvation, we often talk about being born again. But there is two things that happened that when you got born again, when you gave your life to Jesus Christ, the first one is this, is that somebody died. And then somebody was born. And so what we see here in Romans chapter six, it's the most fascinating scripture if you think about it, is it says that when we got born again, it says we died with Jesus on the cross. That man who I was, right? up until this point of salvation, up until I've heard the gospel and responded by faith, one who was enslaved to sin, following the passions and the desires of my body, following the the course of this world, following Satan himself to walk out whatever he told me to do, I would do it. Not even knowing, thinking I'm in freedom, but actually being a slave. The Bible tells me when I came to this point, it says that man, that woman, That boy, that girl got crucified with Jesus. That person died on the cross. And so think about this. How can a slave master tell a dead slave to do something? The slave's dead. Get up and pick up that cotton. He's not going to listen. Wow, he's died. He's dead sin. He's dead to the master. And so what the scripture is telling us is that 
when we die, we, we died just like that slave. We died to that old person. And so when we rose to new life, we rose as these Christ beings, no longer bound, no longer shackled. We rose in freedom. We died in bondage and we rose in freedom. And so Paul goes on in Romans chapter six and he says this in verse 12. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. Listen to this. For sin will have no dominion over you since you are not under law, but under grace. And so what he's saying is yeah. Where sin used to be my master, and they said, Lloyd, I want you to do this. Yes, sir. Jump this high. Yes, sir. Go there. Yes, sir. Now it says, when sin tells me what to do, I have the ability of self control to say no. This is what it means to be redeemed from the slavery of sin. It's no longer my master. I don't have to give in to what it's telling me to do. Before it would tell me what to do and I would just, I had no ability to fight it. But now I have the ability and I can say, well, actually, I don't wanna do that. And I don't. And so that ability we read in verse 14, it says, for sin will have dominion, no dominion over you since you're not under law, but under grace. And so this is what grace is. Grace is God's ability to say no. It's God's ability to wrestle. It's God's ability to overcome. It's, it's, it's God leaning into mankind, giving of Himself, enabling us to do that which He has asked us to do and to be that which He has asked us to be. This is why we wrestle with temptation. Before we never suffered with this. We never even heard of this thing, temptation, right? It's like you just did it, you know, do whatever you want to do. And now we come into this kingdom, we, we, the, the, the shackles are taken off and now the enemy uses this tool called temptation. And really what temptation means is this, it's putting to proof. In other words, the enemy's testing and saying, are you really free? He's testing our new identity. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 17 says, if any man be as in Christ Jesus, he is a new creation. All things have passed away and all things have become new. And so in Christ, I am no longer a slave to sin, but sin will still keep... Hey, remember those parties we used to do? And so it comes to tempt me, it comes to prove my identity. We see this in the Gospels, right? In Luke chapter three, Jesus is baptized by John in the water. It says, as he comes up out of the water, the Holy Spirit descends upon him in the form of a dove and the voice from the heaven comes, the voice of the Father. He says, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Very next chapter, it says that Jesus is led by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the enemy. What's the very first temptation? If you are the Son of God, what just happened? The Father affirmed identity on His Son and temptation challenged it. 
And this is what's happening. When we, when we are freed from sin, temptation comes to challenge. It says, are you really free? Or have you really overcome? And the thing is, the truth is, yes, I have. And that's what I want to tell you tonight, is that you have overcome. That you have been freed. And when temptation comes to prove, to, comes to proof test you, it's saying, are you really a new creation in Christ Jesus? You have the ability through the grace of God, through God's own dunamis power leaning inside of you to stand against the temptation. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. Let me read it for you. No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful and He will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, He will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. Temptation is not sin. Temptation is a test to pull you into sin. And so no longer, not only does God free me from the mastery of sin, but in my everyday life, He gives me the ability to say no to sin when temptation comes. And so I say it again, before I couldn't say no, but now I can say no. You can say no to sin. It's not far out. This is the reality of the gospel. This is the truth of the blood of Jesus and what he accomplished on the cross. You no longer have to bow your knee to sin. You are master over it. And so my question is this. What is being tested? What is being tempted in your life time and time again? What sin has seemed to you that you've been enslaved to? I wrote a list here, anger, lust, substance abuse, pornography, strife, gossip, jealousy. Because it doesn't have to anymore. This is where the enemy is so sly. It feels... Like you can say, Lord, I understand what you're saying, but there's this thing and it, just, it feels so weighty on me. And whenever it, it calls to me, I just go. It feels like that, but that's not the truth. The truth is that it's no longer your master. You have power over sin. Sin does not have power over you. I know Caleb's next door, but I'm gonna can hear me on the thing. Kelly, would you come in on the keyboard here? And so the ransom has been paid. You have already been set free. At the point of salvation, freedom was yours. And I want to end off with Isaiah chapter 61.
The reason I want to read this is this wonderful reality in the kingdom that when truth is declared, that it carries power to perform that which was, it was declared of. And so right now, presence in this room is the power available to you to be free from sin. First of all, it starts here. To be, come to the realisation because if I don't know I'm free, this thing's going to trick me all the time. It's like, oh no, you still this, you still my slave, you still getting caught up in this thing the whole time. And so if I don't know the gospel of truth, if I don't know the redemption in the blood of Jesus Christ, I'm just going to say, yes, you're right. And I'm going to give in every time. And so first of all, I must come to an understanding of what Jesus did on the cross. He didn't just forgive me of my sin. He broke the power of sin over me. And the second, as I said, is that there is power present here tonight to bring freedom. And so maybe you are sitting here tonight and you, you struggle. You've been saved for 10 years, three years, five years, 20 years. But you're struggling with a habit. You're struggling with something. Power of God is available tonight to break that. And so in Isaiah chapter 61, this is the prophecy of Jesus, the Spirit of Christ. And He says, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the broken hearts and listen to this, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound. I read again, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound. And some of you sitting here tonight, you feel like you are a prisoner to sin. You are a prisoner to this thing that you cannot shake off. But the anointing, the power of God is here to set you free in this room right now. And so I don't want to embarrass anybody. But how badly do you want it? And are you prepared to take a stand? And so if there's anybody here tonight and you're struggling, I'm not going to ask you, I'm not going to give you the mark and say, okay, you tell everybody what you're struggling with. <laughs> if you're struggling with an error, maybe it's lust, maybe it's, maybe it's anger, maybe it's gossip. Maybe it's bitterness in your heart. Maybe it is substance abuse. Maybe it's pornography. And tonight you've come to a realisation that I don't need, I don't have to allow this thing to be my master anymore. And I want it off. I want it gone. I'm going to ask you to come forward. Like I said, we're not here to judge. I'm not here to shame. So Joshua and I, we just very simply, we're going to lay our hands on you. We're going to speak the power of God over you. We're going to speak the power of sin broken over you. Whatever it is, however long it's been, that doesn't matter. It doesn't count for anything. The blood of Jesus is enough. 
And so this is a this is a statement of faith, not in Joshua and Lloyd's hands. It's a statement of faith in the blood of Jesus. You coming forward here, it's not saying the blood of Jesus is enough to set me free. And so we're simply agreeing with you. We're simply agreeing with what Jesus has already done on your behalf. And we say whatever that sin is, it ends tonight. In Jesus' name.